simulcast, everybody, on YouTube, our beloved Captain Diltron, on Periscope at an Autist, and on anchor.fm forward slash Gabsmacked. We are here to continue our series on Speaking Human, which is, of course, this book, available at fine bookstores everywhere. <laughs> it's also available from me, and pretty cool stuff. We're going to be talking soon, potentially, at the... Sutherland Shire Autism Support Group, maybe, if it's a fit, if it's not, we'll see how we go, good man called Steve there, to whom I spoke today, we shall see how we go, also, a local newspaper called The Leader has expressed some interest in knowing more about the story, am I not following you, apparently I am not following Sarah Ballerina, I am sorry about that, um, I think Gab Life is following you, but Gab Smack is not following you, how do I do that? Excuse me, while I put view profile. So we're back at YouTube. Uh, thanks to Discord, our private Patreons and some of our top GoFundMes have access there live and they can ask questions that are not limited by characters and they can ask priority questions. So here is a little bonus that was not mentioned in the book. I was with Sabrina, at the which we will discuss later. Sabrina is the little 12-year-old girl that... Jamil met when he was eight, when he was eight, I was about to say 18, that wouldn't be good, and uh, when they got a bit older, many years older, probably about 20 years later, they ended up uh, getting engaged to be married, quite an interesting story there, anywho, by the way, anyone who watches, watches Home and Away, Rafi and Ryder finally kissed, isn't that great, um, Someone in my family watches Home and Away, and now I uh, decided to watch Rafi and Ryder's story. I was quite happy that that happened. Alrighty, let's... So, Sabrina had taken me to meet her friends a couple of times, and they once brought out something called brownies, and I had never tasted a brownie before. I was 26, 27, and tried this brownie, and it was so good that I stayed at the table and kept eating brownies. Now, apparently, that is rude. And so I learned that day that you're not supposed to keep eating brownies at someone's house when there are other people there. You have to eat one and then munch on it slowly and wait for other people to munch. And when you see maybe somewhere between 30 to 50% of the people getting halfway through or close to the end, you might grab one more or you might wait for someone else to grab one more. And I started to notice that other people are doing the same thing, but they're probably, I'm guessing, neurotypically doing it, doing it neurotypically, which is intuitively and without running maths equations in their heads, the way I do even till today. I am just get used to it. So there you go. That was a funny story. I thought I'd share with you. It was not in the book. So let's get back to speaking human. We spoke about... This is where Jamil met Sabrina. Sabrina thought that Jamil was an annoying eight-year-old know-it-all who didn't stop talking about specific topics about which she apparently knew stuff about. Ginny says, sadly, she'll miss us live, but she'll watch the replay. Big shout out to Ginny, our Patreon member, who also has been setting up Discord, thanks to her. From Dream to Nightmare. Now, Dream to Nightmare starts with a little quote here. What people, what I didn't explain, was that the quotes at the beginning of each chapter were actually part of one poem that I had written before I had realized that I was, or I was on the autistic spectrum. But I knew that I was different. Obviously, once you read this book, you know the story that I was quite uh, different. So in the process of shaping myself to be understood by the outside world, not to understand, but to be understood, which is quite interesting because this young person wasn't 
realizing that he had to understand him. He just wanted to be understood by them. I had to learn how the outside world thought. I learned how to play a role to make me accepted in that world. So this is what's driving Jamil this whole time. By practicing doing things in different ways and watching people's reactions, I discovered how I appeared to other people. I would amend that and say I discovered how I thought I appeared to other people. Every action had a reaction. Everything about how I acted was important. How I dressed, walked, spoke, right down to the timing of my speech. So these are the type of things that someone with autism needs to, if they're high functioning, need to focus on in order to try and blend in, to illoquate their personality into uh, something, let's say, a, a salient form uh, for the rest of society to uh, allow it uh, to be uh, illoquated into. Let's just put it that way. All right. So what does that mean there? Well, if you have a family member who's not high functioning, you might say, remember to not take how they dress, walk, or speak, including the timing of their speech, in a way that someone who was neurotypical would mean it. And that's really important. That's, that was the message that came out of that tiny little chapter, tiny little beginning to the chapter in that part of the story. Catching the bus was scary because there was a lot of crowds on the bus going home after school. But all of this mutated into something much more sinister when Jamil had moved or transitioned from primary school into this private boys' college. The suburb itself where the college was situated was a suburb that seemed like an entry to a haunted mansion. It had beautiful, beautiful big auburn trees that would, that would drop their leaves like a sea of a population from a very population-dense country somewhere around the world, and it was immaculate to look at, uh, but, of course, simultaneously scary. A lot of large, large trees, very dark brown trees that covered a lot of the light, but light would glisten through on a sunny day through these type of streets, a very old suburb. And what Jamil, one of the first things he noticed, he was only 10 years old in 1991, it seemed as though... The playground was filled, true faith, with large blue school-capped penguins. So it's showing this idea of conformity. And Jamil is not understanding conformity because, especially for him, being at an extreme end of what you would call a distribution of societally acceptable, say, behavior, his idea of conformity would be very different. And so they're asking him to actually sacrifice a lot more. That's really important to note as well. The, the more you deviate from the mean of whatever the conformist uh, desire or structure is or agenda is, the harder it is, of course, to conform and the more punished that you might actually uh, become. Uh, so now, this part was interesting because he lost his three closest friends. Well, his two closest friends and one close bully. He lost them within a period of a week. Jonathan and David were friends who decided to be friends with Jamil from a very young age, from preschool, actually. And they decided to remain friends with him growing up through primary school. But this started to devolve once he moved into the high school and they drifted away to then interact with people that they were more comfortable with. And Jamil suffered quite a, quite a lot because his ability to make friends was about zero, let's just say. And so he lost the two friends he had that was extremely valuable to him. But what he did was he internalized that. He said it must have been his fault. Because they were so great that they, he looked up to them so much that it couldn't have been them. Now, <clears throat> one second. 
actually that story slightly a bit off. I just realized Jonathan and David, David didn't actually come to, to the school until year nine. So he was friends with him outside, but he wasn't able to be at school with David. So Jonathan left. Now what was left was John. John was actually someone who bullied Jamil in primary school and had now moved into this uh, private school as well. Uh, but he was familiar. And so Jamil decided, uh, I guess, maybe not consciously, I don't think, to retain onto that or hold onto that familiarity. Uh, that would later, of course, devolve quite quickly as well. Now, one of the things that Jamil learned here, well, he didn't learn, but th this was the era of becoming increasingly confused and increasingly depressed and anxious. John had an, what kids found an unusually shaped head for whatever reason as a kid. And Jamil decided to defend him against those allegations in spite of the fact that John was bullying Jamil at the former school. Now, people might think, well, why would Jamil do that? He's too good, he's too naive, etc. I still don't know, but I think it might have had something to do with not wanting to lose a familiarity. His desperation to have someone in his life pushed him, I would think looking in hindsight, to want to hold on to an enemy, because holding on to an enemy would be better than having no one at all. What he didn't understand was how John decided to actually continue bullying Jamil at the new school once he had made friends with his own group. That was quite fascinating to Jamil. He could not understand that, that he decided to defend this person and in the end this person still uh, turned on, on this person. And it's fascinating. I mean, look, it's very easy to think as a child, they're evil, they're bad, whatever. It's obviously more nuanced than that. People are working in their self-interests and of course, children even more so. And so whether they did that because they have a higher degree of sociopathy, a lower degree of empathy, they understand status more. I would say it might have something to do with that. Neurotypicals understand and are sensitive to status um, or understand how to manipulate it or what, it, what needs to happen to achieve higher status, I think. And this is something that's been mentioned recently. Actually, someone else said that yesterday, that, that Jamil being myself, as, even as an older person now, as a, as a young adult, older, whatever, older young adult or whatever you want to call me, uh, never was interested, the ginger me, in dressing or owning or walking or speaking or relating to people or things or whatever in such a way as to orientate themselves upwards in some sort of status world. Jamil never understood that, still doesn't understand it. He understands that it exists, but he didn't understand it. And in fact, it actually cost him some relationships because, of course, some people in a relationship will want to say, my boyfriend is, is a physicist, my boyfriend is this. Uh, whereas for me, I would refuse to go out with, uh, in my most recent relationships, I would never go out with the, the, the girlfriend. They would go out on their own with their friends. I wouldn't go out. I'm not, I wasn't interested. And I didn't realize that you had to sort of play that part of the game for their benefit. Now that I know that, I just wouldn't go out with them. <laughs> I'm like, screw it. Wouldn't even waste my time. So the interesting thing about John the bully was that he didn't go out of his way to bully me or Jamil at the high school. What he did was participate in the chance when the other crowds were around that were heckling Jamil for his odd nature. So it's almost that he decided to be part of the mob and say coalesce 
with the polarized behavior um, that was directed uh, at younger Jamil. That was weird because on his own, he would not bully Jamil. So that was quite interesting too. That was the first time Jamil learned that people could behave differently subject to which other people were around. These are, these are the rules slowly I've built up as someone with autism and they are still in my head to remember how neurotypicals behave and what affects them and what doesn't affect them. So like I said, I've learned from the ground up in tabular form how to understand people, I guess, in a, in a some sort of alien observing some sort of other species type of way. Ah, this is what someone might do if they are with a certain crowd. If the crowd is more than three people, then there's a chance that this person, if they do have some sort of sensitivity to status, they might then fall in line and act in that way. And that's what we might call people who are spineless, which I don't think is a correct term. I would say that someone, you know, if they're sensitive more to status in, in whatever social hierarchy exists, they might want to be careful of how they behave around certain people. Okay. So the resentment, you have learned a lot. Yes, thank you. The resentment in younger Jamil grew. Now, resentment is a key part of this book. And one of the tragedies that Jin Jamil in this book is that resentment does take over Jamil for most of, the, most of his life in this book. And the resentment and the hatred, what scares him about that is the fact that he has the ability to hate. And he doesn't know that. But as he discovers that, it actually depresses him. It becomes his dark beast that in the future, after physical abuse over the next four years uh, in this story from this point onwards, four years later, it manifests into insanely destructive behavior, which we will get to. And the next few chapters actually talk about the next four years about Jamil reaching puberty, becoming suicidal and aggressive and resentful and hateful. And most of that hate was turned into himself. Uh, turned in towards himself. Okay, let's move on. Uh, now, undiagnosed Tourette's well, it proved itself an itch which I could no longer run away from scratching. Now, Tourette's is something most of you don't know that I suffer from, and that's because uh, I was part of a few different... Um, Tourette's was one of the earliest things that was discovered or diagnosed within me, actually. Tourette's was, was diagnosed when I was 26 autism when I was 33. So you might wonder why that was the case. And it's amazing when you're not looking for something that you don't actually see it, but then it's so obvious when once you once you find it. Now that Tourette's was actually worked on for a long time. And so many medications were tried and I was able to eventually come to a combination of medication and exercise and timing. And so I deliberately, if I'm too excited, not sexually, but excited and being around people and too much energy, uh, I will deliberately stay out of range of people because I know that the Tourette's might come back during those circumstances. So I've been able to suppress it with exercise and medication. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You just said it. And that's another one of the reasons I exercise every day. So there's a lot of sub, say, motiv motivating variables which push me to do the exercising and the other things that you guys see. Actually, exercising was the reason I set up the Gab Life channel. And Gabsmacked, after a year, has overtaken our Gab Life channel in terms of numbers of followers. I think we're nearly at 1,700. Uh, but who's counting, right? <laughs> Except for the autist mathematician. So, the Tourette's would explode and the reaction was attention. Jamil, at the age of 10, could not yet distinct or make a distinction, form a distinction between negative and positive attention. And so when the class laughed at his Tourette's attack, he felt comfortable actually allowing his attacks to continue. Your cousin suffers from it. Um, it's not 
we who need the cure, it's everyone else. <laughs> but you can go to my uh, YouTube Gab Smacked channel and look at the autism playlist. And there's a lot I talk about there with autism. If you, there's a hundred and something videos. If you look at that, you'll have a pretty good idea, I guess, of, of the fair chunk of it. Now, the rush of excitement, there you go, pretty cool, you're welcome. The rush of excitement that Jamil experienced with the reception that he received via his Tourette's bouts actually rewarded him. And so he allowed the Tourette's to continue and helped let it metamorphosize, magnetize, metastasize into, you know, unnecessarily, say, uh, more of an obvious condition as opposed to trying to figure out a way to work around it. This, of course, as we know now in hindsight, was actually further ostracizing and alienating him from his peers without him knowing. Now, once the teacher asked him to repeat a word that he said, and Jamil didn't understand why, but after two times of the teacher asking, Jamil said nefarious. So... Uh, someone was saying evil, and I said, it's nefarious. Nefarious is the word. I was 10 years old at the time. And the teacher said, where did you learn that word? And Jamil said, I had heard it on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then looked it up in the World Book Dictionary. So we must thank Jamil's mother, who bought that World Book Dictionary. You are more than welcome, e Jeans. Thank you, as always, for your comment. Uh, for purchasing the World Book Encyclopedia for Jamil. Now, we have to remember in 1991... Actually, it was purchased in 1989, I think it was, but Jimmy would read the World Book Encyclopedia for fun. This was before Wikipedia and before any sort of online uh, um, you know, access to information in a way we have today. And so it was much harder to have access to such a type of dictionary. And I was very, very lucky. Jamil was lucky that his mother was focused on purchasing those type of educational books, which were very expensive back then. It'd be the equivalent of getting some Microsoft Service Studio today, probably thousands of dollars. Would I ever want to be an executive? Nah, not in the slightest. Um, alrighty, so. Um, a final warning from this teacher was to not alienate others in year 5, as we may up end up without friends in year 12. Jamil decided he had plenty of time. Now that's an omen there. The next sub-chapter is Eddie. Eddie is a very big deal. Eddie changed Jamil's life in a way that most things did not, and most things did change his life in huge way. Eddie was the first person to violently bash Jamil. Jamil was 10 years old and he didn't understand that his repellent nature was actually something not just that he would sense at school, but he was now about to sense this in a violent retaliation by someone else. This person was largely overweight and 16 and Jamil was 10. And the book describes how Jamil doesn't understand that he's actually antagonizing this person. And so when the person says, come over here, Jamil goes over there because he has no idea that if someone says, come here, that there might be a context behind it. Now, Jamil has a cousin called Isaiah. Isaiah comes in and out of the book, and he's much more apparent in the second and third books. But Isaiah was very streetwise. Isaiah came from a very different background, a very more, let's say, a streetwise background. Isaiah's father was actually, before he passed away, quite notorious in the underworld in Sydney. 
not maybe at the highest level, but at the type of level that earned him prison for a number of years. Uh, and uh, when I was 10, I actually went with Isaiah to visit his father in prison. Uh, so that was quite interesting to witness as well. And uh, so it was a very different life. And this person was actually, this was someone I admired, even though he was younger than me, because he was so street smart that he was in fact the opposite of myself. He was unbelievably popular, unbelievably street smart. And my, I was addicted to wanting to learn as much as I could from him. Now, Isaiah screamed out, don't go over there towards Eddie. But Jamil actually couldn't understand. Firstly, he didn't understand what Isaiah was screaming because he didn't realize that Isaiah was screaming to him. Then when he realized, he didn't actually put it together until after he was knocked unconscious by the 16-year-old. He, he had his face smashed on both sides. And once he was able to recover... Uh, the uh, one of his soccer teammates actually said to him or asked him, why didn't you fight back? And Jamil said, because Jesus said to turn the other cheek. And the guy whose name was Costa laughed his ass off because Costa said, but you were hit on both sides of your face. <laughs> so you have to laugh about that now. I think looking back, the real reason Jamil didn't fight back against this towering Michelin man was that Jamil was scared. I think Jamil was scared. Jamil was not a violent person at all. He was a very sweet, little, semi-feminine, tall, awkward, autistic boy. And he then made a logical deduction based upon the assumption of him being violently attacked because of who he was, not because of who Eddie was. Jamil made this logical assumption, or this logical conclusion from an assumption. He said, if I'm 10 and a 16-year-old bashed me, that means that the kids at school, as they get closer to 16, will try to bash me as well. So I better become really, really brutally violent before I turn 16 so that no one will mess with me. And that thought is what prompted Jamil to undertake martial arts study from the age of 10 until the age of 16. And this is when the darkness started brewing. He started to become more disconnected from school. The kid that was normally at the top of the class and the only boy at primary school that was actually getting better grades than the females. This was actually quite funny. Back then, even back then, uh, there was a distinction about how smart Jamil was because he would do better than the females. Because even back then, females were doing better than men, apparently, in primary school back in the 80s and early 90s. Dusty foot. Jamil says he will never let this happen to him again and becomes, starts to become unbelievably aggressive uh, by this point. And it's only a glimpse because he's very scared of this idea and he hates himself even more at the fact that he's a magnet for abuse and the fact that he has to turn into the abuser to repel the abuse. Happy weekend. Our Christmas tree is up. So Merry Christmas. Merry, what's the, uh, what's the name of the month? Uh, you have, uh, I can't remember it now. It's going to come to me. It's, it starts with A, I think. That's the whole month of December has this A for, to do with Nativity? Nativity month? No, it's something else. Someone will come up with it. Anywho, so getting back to Eddie, Jamil becomes more distant and starts to imagine how he's going to phys Advent, that's the one, thank you, Platinum Mimi. How he's, he started fantasizing about how he could take down his bullies at school. Advent, true faith comes in as well. I'm thinking of Advent. There you go, three in a row. Well done, guys. Thank you. So, Jamil, Jamil becomes 
increasingly scared of himself because he's afraid that if he tries to, thank you very much, if he tried to attack these people, he might lose. And so he better become the best possible fighter he can become. But he never wants to do that. He hates having to go home and do that. But each time, yo, yo, each time he goes home and trains in martial arts, he imagines hurting Eddie. It was the bashing that Eddie inflicted upon Jamil that would fuel Jamil's years from 10 to 16. He wanted revenge and he held on to that grudge for six years until he met Eddie again. And this comes back as either a climax or anticlimax later on in the book, Susie Eve. But unfortunately, this might have been Jamil's savant intellect because he could specifically remember exactly what Eddie did to him and he never forgot it. It could be a combination of that with PTSD and because it was a sharp, uh, as neurotypicals would call it, a, a, a very significant emotional experience. It could have been that as well. Uh, now, this is where the next part, of course, and this will be the last thing we'll discuss today. Next part is where Jamil now consciously realizes that he wants to kill himself. And this is at the age of 12. He now realizes, and there's something to do with, I mean, it might be correlated with puberty. We're not sure, but puberty for Jamil happened at about nine or 10. But by 12, Jamil already had my voice, already had a beard, maybe about 20% like my beard, which is still not very strong. <laughs> and was, I think I had reached six foot by, by age 12, I think by 5'11". Or something like that, but the, by, I was almost my height by, by 12, and already with the deep voice and all that type of thing that you expect in a man. So, he, at this point, was aware that he could kill himself. He was not happy with whatever this adult frame was that he was inhabiting, and still understood himself to be eight years old. In fact, he kept thinking that he was asleep in his year three class at age eight, even though he was now in year eight, or year seven, sorry. Um, yeah, year seven. 1993. Got it. All right. And he also discovered that he was a natural with computers, but he didn't explain it that way. He explained it in a way where he thought that computers were his long lost friends in the same way that Jason was. If anyone remembers, Jason was his watch that he could relate to because Jason worked with uh, a base 12 and had a lot of devices and he could work out all the times and seconds and you know, work out his day you know, by time and know that Jason was predictable and would be there for him. All right, and the last thing I'll say to you guys is, we'll talk about this next time, but everyone changes cell by cell, and over the years we transform. What makes us what we are gradually disappears. Ça va bien, Samir et toi? It's like a crowd of people. Take one person out of the crowd and replace them with another. The perceived crowd is still there. That's actually part of that whole poem. So if you if someone went through the book and took out all of the the the, uh, the little bold italic sections in front of each chapter that would actually become one one uh, stream of consciousness there uh, some people asked why was that in there what actually happened was that the bullying would increase in fact it started with teachers as well by this age so by the age of 10 and 11 uh, i skipped this part uh, mr stewart is chinese autistic mathematician as you very cool very cool bananas there you go we're all over the world all right so Mr. Stewart, when the headmaster would come into the room, he'd say, What do you love, Jamil? Tell the headmaster what you love. <laughs> it was pompous. And 
the class would then join in and go, yeah, tell the headmaster what you love. And I would say BTN. Now, BTN was called Behind the News, Samir. Behind the News was something that most kids hated, but I loved because it was quite informative. Uh, he said that the teacher said to the headmaster, everybody hates when you give them more BTN homework. With, with Gabby, he loves it even more, and the class laughed. So this is the type of thing where teachers back then were assholes. Whether they meant it or not, I don't think in hindsight that this person... I mean, this person was probably probably the same age I am now, maybe younger. Stella. So, you know, was he just a, a dick? Probably. I, did he realize it would have that much of an impact? Did he realize this person had autism and didn't understand human behavior? Hello. Always a pleasure. Uh, I don't think so, but you, you, you have to, there's a, there was a long period of time where, you know, my younger self had a lot of hate for these type of people because it, it, it assumed that they, my younger version would assume that they were doing this deliberately or they were aware of the effect that they were having, etc. Now, computers were around before Windows, of course, and this was when I started negotiating with computers with something called DOS, and some of you might remember DOS, it is now known as the Command Prompt, in current Windows, if you type in CMD and you hit enter on the run page, you end up getting the command prompt. But the original was DOS, Disk Operating System, and that was very, very powerful. And it was very intuitive because it was unbelievably logical in the way MS-DOS, in the way my brain works, I find that computer coding has is the same language as my brain. And that might be why there's a lot of people on the autistic spectrum who also happen to be software engineers. It could be a relationship there. But I can tell from myself that the way I understand language naturally is via those type of instructions that's why yesterday when i was driving a truck i didn't know where to go because the sign said visitors to the left and drivers to the right and i was both and i couldn't figure out which way i should go i freaked out for a bit it was a long story uh okay so we'll probably stop there and we can see here now that jamil is some sort of very bright young kid. Your hair looked great. <laughs> Thanks. So, <laughs> oh, that's right. When it was popping up, yeah, the the uh, the gabfro we call it. That's right. Gabfro. It's a combination of an afro and a jufro. We get a gabfro out of it. So, the social dysfunction becoming increasingly apparent was pushing the younger Jamil between age ten and twelve more and more into depression, more and more into computer programming more and more to taking apart and building computers to understand the difference between the types of RAM that we had back in the day. This was the, the 286 was welded together, but the 386 and the 486, this was before the Pentium era, were built via parts. So it would be very easy to take them apart and then stick them together and pull out the CD drive, CD-ROM, if anyone remembers those old CD-ROM drives before DVDs, and uh, you know, working out uh, the BIOS and by changing the configuration system uh, what would what would have what effect it would have on startups etc etc all that type of stuff so you know removing one variable placing it with another became a world that i rushed into and every time one is extricated from that world into the world of humans or neurotypicals jamil would once again feel this ice pain pain of having to be in this nightmare of a world he really felt that he should not be here and that that desperate anxious attempt to escape that world as i said by the age of 12 he then realized was actually suicide suicide was the label he was he needed to describe how he had been feeling all the way from the age of three up until about 12. Um, his grade started to decline and from the top of the class he started to move to the bottom of the class uh, slowly but surely he developed severe acne 
You might see some of my acne scars somewhere, but it's hard to see them these days. There's a little bit there, but that's about it. Uh, and the next part will be four eyes. Four eyes, we'll get to it in the next episode. But it's a slow decline until he becomes unbelievably violent and then a further decline. So the book is quite dark. It, it gets darker and darker as we go down. It gets a bit worse. But anyway, uh, cheer up because we're here today. And the third book is Transcendence. And that might be released in 2020, 2021. So there is inspiration and hope, of course. <laughs> and for those of you on YouTube, you know we do our speeches. Anchor.fm forward slash Gabsmacked. We're also on iTunes and Spotify. If you look up Anchor Podcasts, Anchor FM Podcast, Captain Deltron, you will see us there and look up Gapsmacked. And you can go to, of course, Twitter and Autist or RealSpeakingHuman.com, which has a list of all of those things. And I will stop our Anchor Podcast now. It's a pleasure to see you. Guys, don't forget at Anchor FM to take life one smack at a time. And now on YouTube, we will say goodbye to everyone at YouTube. Toujours un plaisir de... Tecuter. Ah, eh, moi aussi. <laughs> um, what do you call it? Uh, toujours un plaisir de t'écouter aussi. <laughs> Samir. <laughs> All right. Bitches. Hello, losers. See you later. <laughs> 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 <sighs>